Amen. Good morning, everybody. Everybody doing well? I'm so grateful that you're here. I want to take the time that I have left this morning and next week, and I want to talk to you about growing as a Christian, growing in your faith. We all know that anything that's alive grows. It doesn't matter whether it's a plant or your grass or your children or a dog, uh, your marriage, relationships. We all know that things that are alive, things that are living, grow. And your relationship with God should be no different. Your relationship with Christ, it's a, it is exactly that. It's a relationship. It's a living thing. And just like I grow in my marriage and in my relationship with my wife and my children, you're supposed to do the very same thing in your faith. It's never supposed to be static. So I'm going to take today and tomorrow and show you some very simple things, very easy things that you can begin to do to make sure that you're growing in your faith. I want to read to you this morning out of 1 John chapter 2. I'm going to start reading with verse 12. I'm going to read two verses, and this is out of the New King James Version Bible. It says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers. Because you've known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. Here's what I know this morning. All of us are in a different place in our walk with God. All of us are in a different place in our journey. And this set of verses talks about three different people in their journey. The first one he mentions are children. Children in the faith. Here's what he says. He says that when you're a child in the faith, what you understand is you're forgiven. I can remember when I was a child, a physical child, and the pastor came to our home, and he shared the gospel, and I heard the message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I received Jesus as my Savior. I became a Christian. At that moment, I knew that I was forgiven. Children in the faith understand they're forgiven. Then the second group that he talks about are young men and women in the faith, and they know a few more things. And what the verse says is they understand the battle. See, when I received Christ as my Savior and I knew I was forgiven, I began to recognize and understand that everything didn't always go right. Everything didn't always go my way. I think sometimes one of the mistakes we make in church is we'll tell you if you'll come to church and make Jesus your Savior, your life will be better, and it will be better. But then what I discovered as a young Christian, as a young adult Christian, was that there's a battle. And that's the second thing. As I understood, there is, there is a kingdom of darkness there is evil, there, there is a devil, and that there's a battle going on in my life and that I have to learn to resist the devil. That's what young believers begin to understand. Then the next one he talks about are fathers and mothers, <clears throat> spiritual fathers and mothers in the faith, and what they understand is intimacy. They begin to develop an intimate relationship with God. Now listen, every one of us are in a different place. I started out as a spiritual child I then moved into becoming a spiritual, if you will, a teenager, then a young adult, and I began to understand that I wasn't just forgiven, but there was a battle going on. But then I kept growing, and I moved into this spiritual fatherhood, and I moved into this place of intimacy where I have a relationship with God. The reason I wanted you to see that testimony this morning, I wanted you to notice her journey. She was on a journey, and she started out as a baby Christian. Did you notice how she said that she regretted staying a baby Christian for so long, that she wished she had grown? 
So I'm going to show you this morning some simple things that you can do. Now, it's helpful for you to understand this morning that we're all in a different place. It's so helpful. You know, we can be mad at each other sometimes in church because we're mad because another believer doesn't do what we want them to do or act like we want them to act. And it's so helpful to understand we're all in a different place, okay? Some of us are spiritual children. Some of us are spiritual young adults. And some of us are spiritual mothers and fathers. Now, here's what's amazing. God knows right where you are. He knows right where you are. And it's good and it's okay. But he's also committed to your growth and to your spiritual maturity. Now, I want to read another verse to you. I want to read to you out of Ephesians chapter 4. This is verse, chapter 4, verse 13, and it's the New Living Translation. And listen to what it says. It says, This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now, I want you to show a couple of things if you'd leave the verse up. The very first thing is, is that you and I are supposed to continue. We're supposed to be doing something. What are we supposed to be doing? Well, we're on this journey called Christianity. We're on this journey with a relationship with God. And it says that I'm supposed to continue until I come into the unity of faith and the knowledge of son's God, excuse me, God's son. And then the next thing it says is, is that we do what? We mature. So I'm on this journey. We're on this journey with Christ. And as we go on this journey, we go from children to teenagers to young adults to spiritual mothers and fathers, and we move into maturity. Then the last thing it says is, is that I become full and complete in Christ. Now, everybody knows that no matter what it is, it grows, okay? You probably know we have a new granddaughter in our family, and she's eight weeks old now. And the other day, she was at our house, and she smiled. Well, we all got up and screamed and ran around the room and hooted and hollered. I mean, we had a party because that baby smiled, all right? Uh, she looked at me the other day, and I don't know if she was looking at me or looking at something else, but it felt like she was looking at me, and I'm like, I'm screaming and excited and happy because that baby's looking at me, okay? Now, we all know that she's an infant, and we're excited, and I hope that I never lose that, Okay? Uh, I tell young parents all the time who have small children, don't miss it. Don't miss it. If you have grown children, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're always stressed out and frustrated with your children, and then one day you look up and they're grown and they're gone. So I hope I never lose that joy. I hope I never lose that wonder of her smile. But here's what I know. She's already been growing. She's going to continue to grow, and she's never going to stop growing. And like I said, I hope I enjoy that smile my whole life, but we're expecting more things out of her as she grows. It's the same way with your relationship with God. You see, God loves it when you pray childlike prayers. God loves it when you cry out to him with a need as a brand new Christian. He loves that. And God loves those prayers, and I believe he answers those prayers. But there comes a time when God's asking you to grow and to mature and to not stay a baby. Now, I'm speaking to everybody this morning. I'm so glad that you're here. Whether you've been a Christian for 20 years or 30 years or 40 years, or you've been a Christian for just a few weeks or just a few months, one of the most dangerous things in church is old Christians. What do you mean, Pastor? That's kind of offensive. Oh, I don't mean old, old physically. I mean, you've been in church all your life. You know Jesus is your Savior, and you become tired. You become complacent. You become lukewarm, and you kind of start to pull back. So I'm talking to those of you that have been Christians for a long time. But then I'm talking to you that some of you are brand new in the faith. 
Now, listen, I'm going to show you some very simple things you can start doing, things that you're already doing that maybe you don't recognize that will help you grow and help you to continue to mature in your faith where you'll be more and more like Jesus. I'm going to read a verse to you in Hebrews chapter 10, starting with verse 25. Listen to what it says. It says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. If you'd leave the verse up, I want to show you a couple of things. The very first thing it says is, is we're not supposed to neglect meeting together. Okay, do you know what we're doing right here, right now? We're meeting together. It's called church, amen? Now, we are the church, but we're having church. All right. Now, imagine this morning when you received Christ as your Savior, whenever that was. You remember in your life. Do you remember when you heard the gospel? Do you remember when you made a decision? I was at a family's house one time, and I went over to their home and shared the gospel with them. And the husband and wife were small children, and the wife prayed with me to receive Christ as her Savior. And when she got done, she said, did I just become a Christian? I said, you sure did. You just became a Christian. I want you to think back to that time when you became a Christian. I was 12 years old. All right, from that point forward, okay, I'm a Christian pastor. I've made Jesus as my Savior. What next? What next? What's those first few steps I need to be taking? Now, what we're talking about this morning is you growing. And I'm going to show you the first, most basic, simple step to growing as a Christian. I preach all the time, and when I preach from a list, I'll say, uh, this is not in order of importance. Well, today is in order of importance, okay? The very first thing I'm going to show you is the beginning, but it's also one of the most important. Then next week, I'm going to show you some other things you can do, but we're going to start from the very beginning of what's most important, okay? Here's what it is. The very first thing you can do to grow as a Christian is simply be in church. Simply be in church. Now, look at the verse. It says, don't neglect meeting together as some people do. Now, you know what that verse says? We're not supposed to be like those folks who don't meet together. Those folks who are at home this morning. Now, I'm not picking on anybody, and we're not taking roll this morning. That's not my heart. But we're not supposed to be those folks who don't meet. We're supposed to be those folks who do meet. And it says, don't neglect meeting, okay? What does that mean? Well, have you ever planted a garden and you didn't do anything to it for six weeks and you neglected it, right? Have you ever not mowed your lawn for six weeks and neglected it? We all know what happens when we neglect things, right? Well, it says I'm not supposed to neglect coming to church. We're not supposed to neglect meeting together as some people do. But then when we get here, we're supposed to encourage one another. Would you look at the person next to you and say, be encouraged, Man, didn't that feel good? Right? That was so good. Do it one more time, would you? You could even look at the next person or the same person. Just do it one more time. Be encouraged. Now, I'm not asking you to do anything inappropriate, but if you even wanted to kind of hug them a little bit when you said it, I wouldn't care. Uh, Just try one more time and kind of maybe touch them. They don't hug too much, all right? But, you know, be encouraged, right? Yeah, it's good. Okay, now... Now, now, here's what's amazing. We're doing exactly what the Bible says to do. We're not, ne- now, y'all are getting out of control. I mean, my gosh. 
Y'all are having too much fun. We're not supposed to neglect meeting together. We're not supposed to be like those folks who don't. And then when we get here, we're supposed to encourage each other. And it says, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You've probably heard people say that before. We're one day closer to the return of Christ. So as we know Jesus is closer and closer to returning, we're supposed to be doing this. And when we get in here, we're supposed to be encouraging one another. So the first and simplest thing you can do to grow as a Christian is to be in church. I want to show you some things about that. Here's the first one. As I look across this room this morning, I'm so grateful for all of the kids that went to the service across the street for Power Kids. I'm so grateful for all of you young adults that are here, those of you that are maybe married, you're single moms. And, and I just look across this room at all of you. Then I look across the room at those of you that have been coming to church for years. We're all different, and I'm so grateful for you. But I want to take just a minute and talk to those of you who've maybe you've just been coming for a while. I mean, I can see your faces, and I know which ones of you who've been coming. And you've been coming for about a month or two or three, and you've been coming to church. And I just want to say something to you. Don't stop coming. Don't stop coming. See, here's what I see in church all the time. People come to church, they get Jesus, they get encouraged, they get ministered to, and you'll be here for about a month or six weeks or eight weeks or or 12 weeks, and then you disappear and I never see you again. Okay, let me encourage you. Don't stop coming. Once you've started coming, you keep coming. Here's the second thing. Okay, be in church more than you're not in church. Now, let me tell you a couple of things, okay? We don't keep roll at church. God doesn't keep roll at church. Listen, I miss church. Everybody misses church, and this isn't about you not missing church, but here's what it's about. There's life in this place, and if you'll decide, I'm going to be in church more than I'm not in church, it will change your life. Now, let me give you a couple of thoughts on that line. Number one, I understand. Listen, I've been going to church my whole adult life. Okay, I don't know what folks do on Sunday morning out there. I don't know. I don't know what's on TV on Sunday morning. I don't know. Okay, I don't don't know what's happening at the mall. I don't know what's happening at the movie theater. I don't know what's happening at the restaurants out there. I'm not out there. I'm right here on Sunday morning. I have the habit of coming to church. And here's what I know. If you haven't been coming to church very long... Can I just encourage you, it does take some time to develop the habit that on Sunday morning at Toy Christian Fellowship, we're in church. Oh, we miss sometimes, but we're there more than we're not there, and we're building that habit. Okay, one of the habits in my life that I have is I exercise regularly. And I've been exercising, and I love going, and I I feel good when I go. It's good for me mentally. It's good for me emotionally. I go to the Y, and I I get to know people there, and I I see Isela there, and I get to hang out, and I get to talk, and it's amazing to be at the Y, and it's it's almost like another church. It's a place to encourage people, and I just love going. Well, a few weeks ago, I got a shin splint. Now, I was so excited because only athletes get shin splints. (laughs) Amen? Amen. So, you know, Tony Romo broke his collarbone, and I had a shin splint. Now, I'm not insinuating Tony Romo's an athlete, okay? I'm not insinuating that at all, okay? Don't, don't take me wrong there, okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that at all. But I, I was kind of excited because I had an athletic injury, okay? 
So I go to the doctor, and when I got to the doctor, she came in and saw me and here at the clinic, and I showed her, and she said, well, let's x-ray it and make sure you don't have any kind of a fracture, and they x-rayed it, and I didn't have a fracture, thank the Lord, and she said, hey, I need you to not exercise for a week, and I want you to ice it, and then I want you to take some pain medicine, but don't exercise for a week. Well, I've been exercising long enough that I enjoy it, and I don't want to miss. See, it's not a drudgery anymore. It's become a habit. And I told her, oh, I can't miss a week. I said, what do you mean miss a week? And she said, well, you need to let let that rest. And I said, well, what do you mean by not exercise? And she said, what do you think I mean? I'm like, okay, okay. She said, you can do whatever you want, but don't do anything for a week. I said, okay. So I took off that entire week. And uh, this past Thursday, I was able to go back and it feels great. And she was right. It healed it and it took care of it. Here's the point. You see, exercise has become a habit in my life, just like going to church has become a habit in my life. And I just want to encourage those of you that are new, those of you that have been coming for a few weeks, I want you to bite down, I want you to hang on, and I want you to keep coming, and I want you to not stop coming because God will change your life if you'll let him. Here's the next thing about that. In the Old Testament, it says that Jesus, when he went to the synagogue, in the Old Testament, that it was his custom. You see, Jews were under the Old Covenant, and they went to the synagogue, and they went on Saturday. We're Christians. We're in the New Covenant, and we go to church on Sunday. Sunday's the first day of the week, and here's what God is asking. He's saying, hey, on the first day of the week, would you come into my house, and would you put your heart and your mind on me? Would you hang out with your brothers and sisters? Would you worship me? Would you humble yourself and come and give me that time? Now, if you come to church here at Tulia Christian Fellowship, even if you come 30 minutes early and you come and you get something to drink and you have a donut and you come in this service, our services are generally always about 60 minutes long. So when you put that time together, and I'm not counting driving time, you've given God 90 minutes. Now, here's what I want to encourage you in. God's saying, hey, every seven days, would you come in my house and would you worship me? Would you give me your time? Would you give me your attention? And a lot of times, here's what we tell God. Well, God, I'm busy. Or God, I have something that I want to do. I have something I'd rather do. And so, God, I'm going to be there when I can. But when I can't be there, I want to do what I want to do. And you all know I get you in trouble. Now, I'm not saying God's going to judge you or condemn you. That's not God's heart, and it's not my heart. But that you recognize, God, I'm going to give you the first part of my day or the first part of my week, and I'm going to come into your house. Here's the next reason why you should come to church, because it'll help you. Listen, this place is filled with life. And when you come in this place, listen, here's what will happen. Your family will begin to change. Your money will begin to change. You'll help in your, we'll give you help with your parenting. You'll grow in your faith. You'll have hope, and discouragement will be broken off of you. Listen, I guarantee you, every time you walk through the door to your Christian fellowship, I'm going to teach you the Bible, and I'm going to read to you out of the Bible, and I'm going to show you what God's Word says. I also guarantee you this. Every time you come in this place, Jesus Christ is here to meet you, and if you're discouraged, he'll help you. If you need healing, he'll help you. Whatever you're looking for, whatever you need, God is in this place to meet you, and when you leave here, I guarantee you, you'll have more hope, you'll have more help, you'll have more peace. 
by simply being in church more often than you're not in church. And you know what will happen? You'll turn and look back on your life, and you'll say, my gosh, God has done for me. My gosh, God has helped me. My gosh, God has blessed me. Can I tell you in my own personal life, me and Miss Vicki, we are so blessed. God has so taken care of us. We're that couple that got married with no education. We didn't have two dimes to rub together, and we didn't know where we were going to go or what we were going to do. But thankfully, we got a hold of Jesus Christ. Thank Thankfully, we started going to church. Thankfully, we raised our children in church, and our lives have never been the same because of it. You can have the same thing. Here's the next thing. When you come to church, bring your family. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, I mean husband and wife and children. Now, a lot of you come as cousins and aunts and uncles, and I think that's amazing, okay? I love it when you come as an extended family. You won't be sorry for doing that. But let me talk for just a minute about your family, okay? We always went to church as a family. Listen, I see couples all the time who will come to church, and they'll leave their teenagers at home, and their teenagers are in bed. And I know why they don't bring them, because they don't want the fight. I know. You have to open that teenage daughter's room, and you have to go in with that stick, right? And you got to get up close to the bed and lift up the covers to see if she's in there. And I know when you poke her, she comes out like a tiger, right? I know, I know. And I know, I've seen it in parents many times. You just, it's like, let's go to church and go have lunch and leave her. Oh, it'll just be so much better. All right, I understand that, okay? And, and I know at times kids, don't get me wrong, kids miss church. And sometimes kids spend the night with different people. But listen to me, can I encourage you? Your whole family needs church. Your children need church. Listen, don't send your children to church. Bring your children to church. You get up and you come as a family and you get up and get ready and you come to God's house and you bring your children and your household and you all enter in and you worship together and you have a donut together. And listen, God will change your life if you'll do that. Let me tell you the next thing. Listen, don't let others stop you. What do you mean? Well, when you decide to go to church, you'll have friends. Oh, you're a Jesus freak now. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're going over there to that church. Oh, okay. We, we wondered what happened to you. Well, you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, the world hated me, and they'll hate you. And if you have people in your life who pick on you, if you have friends who want to pull you back down that hole that they are in and they want you to stay in, or if you've got family that make fun of you, the Bible says that when you're picked on and you're persecuted, you're supposed to rejoice because they hate Jesus and they hate you. So the next time somebody makes fun of you for going to church, the next time somebody in your family wants to pick on you, you just ought to start dancing a jig. And they're like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Well, the Bible says that you hate Jesus and you hate me for loving him and that I'm supposed to rejoice. So that's what I'm going to do. That'll scare them, won't it? All right, listen, don't let people keep you from God. Listen, don't follow your friends to hell. Don't follow your friends to destruction. Don't follow your family to destruction. Several weeks ago, I was listening to a teaching by Pastor Jimmy Evans at Trinity in Amarillo, and he told a story after the service. A young woman came up to him, a married woman. And she said, Pastor, the grocery store I shop at, there's a man there that I'm attracted to, and he's not my husband. And he told her, change grocery stores. And she laughed. And he said, I'm not kidding. Well, long story short, she didn't change grocery stores. She divorced, left her husband and divorced him, married this man, moved to another town and had a baby. And she sent him a card several months later. And in that card, she said, 
Every time I look at my baby, I think about the terrible choices I've made and that I didn't listen to you, and all I can think about is I want to end my own life. Listen to me, folks. When the devil's finished with you, you will be destroyed. Some of you need to change friends, and it's okay, and God will give you the strength to do it. She needed to change grocery stores. Some of you need to change friends. Choose Jesus Christ You'll never be sorry that you did. Brother Tommy Birchfield at camp, Discovery Camp, where we take our teenagers, always says this. I don't care who it puts me with. I don't care who it takes me from. I'm going to follow Jesus. Listen, you won't be sorry. There's a verse in Psalms that means something to me now, and it says, I was young and used to have hair. That's my translation. I'm now old. And I've never seen the righteous or their for seed begging bread. As I look across this room at you young adults, listen, I'm glad you're here and I'm proud of you and I'm thankful that you're in church. Listen, you'll never be sorry for saying yes to Jesus. If you have to let go of somebody, if you have to move on from somebody, you won't be sorry that you did. Don't you follow them into death and into destruction. The next thing is, and I said this two weeks ago, is to turn on your expector or use your faith. I heard a great phrase this week. When you come to church, you know what I want you to do? I want you to lean in. Lean in. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, you don't hold back and like this, and you know, you're kind of resistant, and you critique everything, and you kind of have a negative attitude, or maybe it's not the right song or the right message, or it's too loud or whatever it is. Stop doing that, and instead start leaning in. What does that mean? Hey, God, I want something. You know, one of the most powerful things you'll ever do as a Christian is when you walk through those double doors and you've got your latte or you've got your coca mocha and you've got your three donuts on your finger and you're coming in to worship Jesus, right? Do one thing when you walk in the door. Do this right here. Say, God, what do you have for me today? God, I need something today. Lean in. Say, God, I need something from you. I see it all the time. You know what people do? Man, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this. Man, I got to get a copy of this because I got to give this to so-and-so. And you miss God speaking to you. I have people come up to me. Man, Pastor, I, I wish this person had heard that or I wish you'd said this. Listen, God wants to speak to you. And so when you walk through that door, you say, God, what do you have for me today? You turn on your expector. You lean in. How? By simply singing, number one. Can I just say something to you from my heart, and I love you? Uh, we have such amazing worship band here. We have such an amazing worship team. And whether we're doing the full band or we're doing video worship or we're doing acoustic worship, it's so easy to worship God here. And it always breaks my heart to watch Christians stand in a service with their arms folded and they look at that screen and they never sing one single word. Now, I think there's two reasons that happens. Number one is fear. And I understand that. I understand. You can be afraid. Now, you weren't afraid at the George Strait concert, okay? You weren't afraid at the ACDC concert, okay? When they were singing Highway to Hell, you weren't afraid, okay? Right? Yeah. You can get on and watch that ACDC concert from Brazil, and there's 200,000 people there, and they're singing Highway to Hell, and that entire crowd is chanting with every soul they got, right? They're not afraid, but, oh, you're afraid to sing in church because somebody might look at you. Okay, the second reason you won't do it, and this is the hardest one, is simply pride. Because of your pride and your arrogance, you're not going to utter those words, and you're not going to sing because you're going to stand there with your arms folded. Listen, I don't know about you, 
but I know Jesus Christ changed my life. And I'm heaven bound. Oh, I cannot wait to get to heaven. I cannot wait to see Jesus. And I cannot wait to see my family. I, I, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it. And when I get in this place, I can't help but lift my hands and close my eyes and say, Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. A thousand years won't be enough time to thank you. Ten thousand years won't be enough time to thank you. When I'm standing in heaven with my daughter and son-in-law and my son and daughter-in-law and my granddaughter and my future grandchildren and my parents and my grandparents and my aunts and uncles and all of you, and we're all there together, and we're shouting, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Folks, I can't help but close my eyes and lift my hands in my heart and tell Jesus I love him. Listen, you don't have to be afraid, and if you got pride, you need to get rid of it, and you need to let go of it. Let me tell you one final story. I have a person that used to attend this church, and they came as a family, and they had small children, and they were coming to church, and there were that couple that was here all the time, and they were involved, and they were volunteering, and every time there was something that needed to be done, they would, they would do things, and they were one of those couples that did things, and you didn't have to ask them to do things. They would do it. And they got into some financial straits, and they had some financial problems. And, and through, through a set of circumstances, they got their feelings hurt, and they began to be angry with God. And this guy decided, well, the way I'm going to fix my financial problems is I'm going to get a part-time job. And there's nothing wrong with part-time jobs. I've had part-time jobs many times in my life besides my full-time job. I know many of you do the very same thing. But he decided that he was going to supplement his income, and so he was going to begin to work on Sunday. And so he got this job. Now, don't get me wrong. Listen to me. I know lots of you work on Sundays at different times, and I'm not saying that you don't work on Sunday. But what this guy did was he completely pulled himself out of church, and he began to work every single Sunday to make a few extra dollars to supplement his income. Now, I just wonder. I just wonder if he'd gathered his family around the table, his children, and his wife, and he'd have said, listen, we're having some financial trouble, and we may have to eat uh, some cornbread and beans for a while, or we may have to eat potatoes for a while, but we're not going to stop going to church. We're not going to stop serving God, and every time we show up in that place, we're going to pray, and we're going to cry out to God, and here's what I know. He'll take care of us. But the message to his children was, you can't trust God, you can't depend on God, and when things don't go your way, get out of church, get a job, and make your own way. That's what she said on the video. Her sin was self-reliance. Again, I'm not condemning you, but I'm just saying this. One of the simplest, basic ways you can grow spiritually is by simply being in church. I'm so proud of you for being here. As I look around this room, I'm so grateful that you've come into this place. And if you'll just keep coming to church. Now, listen, I don't want you in church because it makes me feel good. And it does make me feel good. I'd be lying if I didn't say that. It's much more fun to preach to a full house than an empty house. But I don't want you here for that reason. I want you here so that you will have credit to your account. And what, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Am I getting credit from God? No, no, no. What you're doing is you're growing, you're maturing, and you're getting poverty off of you. You're getting darkness off of you. You're getting depression off of you. You're getting anxiety off of you. You're going to stay married and not get divorced. If you're not married, you're going to get married. And you begin to move into a place of life and light and grace, and God begins to change your 
your life. Just keep coming to church. 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 When you've had a good week, come to church. When you've had a bad week, come to church. When you don't feel like coming to church, come to church. And you'll wake up one day and look your head up, and you'll be on the mountaintop and not down in that hole anymore. And you'll think, wow, what happened to us? What happened to us? And I can tell you it's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Y'all stand up and let's pray. Praise God. Hey, I want to take just a minute. I'd like for you just to close your eyes with me for just a moment, just for privacy. Hey, if you're in this place and you're not a Christian, you've never invited Jesus Christ into your heart, I'd love to lead you in a simple prayer right in your seat. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I would never do that, but I'd like to lead us in a simple prayer. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I don't know that I'm a Christian. I don't know that I've ever done that. I'd love to pray with you. Would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I'd like to become a Christian this morning. Like I said, I won't embarrass you. I won't do anything to you. I'd just love to pray with you and give you the opportunity to invite Christ into your life. Anybody in this room this morning? Nope. Okay, I see that hand, brother. Thank you. Thank you for being brave. Okay, anybody else? Okay, we've had one that's already done it. Anybody else? When the first one goes, it's always easier for the next one. Anybody else? Okay. All right, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. It's called a salvation prayer. We're going to pray it together. You repeat it after me. Say, Father God, I come to you in Jesus' name. I believe. Jesus, you're the Son of God. You died on the cross. You were raised from the dead for me. I need you, Jesus. Come into my heart. Be my Savior. Be my boss. I give you my life. In Jesus' name.